All right. Good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you're here again. We want to welcome you. My name is Pastor John. I'm the campus pastor here. And uh, as we've said already, we believe it is no accident that you are here and we have been praying for you. It is a great day uh, to worship. It's finally feeling like spring a little bit here uh, in Iowa. The weather got itself figured out uh, a little bit, and we're glad that you're here on this beautiful day. Uh, today, uh, one of the joys that we have of being one church in multiple locations is that we get to hear from a lot of different pastors from time to time. Uh, usually you've got me or Chris up here 90% of the time, but today uh, all of our campuses are joining together as we'll hear from our senior pastor, uh, Mike Householder, as well live uh, queued up in our little TV studio back there, live from the West Des Moines campus. We're excited uh, to have all of you here today as we continue this sermon series, whether you're down here on the main floor or just give me a, give me a wave up there and let me know you're awake up, up in the cheap seats. There you go. Awesome. Uh, and uh, we're so glad that each of you are here. I, I don't know about you. Anybody been enjoying this Faith and Film series? You've been enjoying this? Awesome. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Absolutely. I've been learning a lot. I know that you've been learning a lot. And so we're on the tail end uh, of that series. We continue today uh, with a, a movie called Lion. And some people have been asking me, is it animated? No, it is not animated. Uh, you can go home and watch animated movies if you want. But this is a powerful movie. And uh, we're really excited to dive into that uh, today. If you've been away, that's fine. Uh, every, every week is different. So you can get uh, caught up uh, as well, but we continue to encourage you to open up your Bibles uh, to, to the Bible reading from today, to follow along with where Pastor Mike's going uh, as well. He knows he's speaking to all the campuses uh, today. It's just a good to be reminded that we are one family, that we are united uh, in Christ, that we're a part of a much bigger family uh, than even here uh, at Hope Des Moines as well. As God continues to grow our family uh, here at Hope Des Moines, we want you to know that there's a place for you here. Uh, maybe not physically every single week. We'll make space for you, even if it's in the lobby or upstairs. But there is always a place for you here in our family, in God's family. You are known here. You can be loved here and welcomed here, we pray. And maybe there's some of you, I'm guessing this morning, I think we all feel this way sometimes. Some of you walked in here this morning feeling a little disconnected from God. Some of you walked in here this morning with some guilt, with some shame, maybe with some fear about the future. Uh, maybe just feeling like a little dry, a little spiritually empty. Well, I've got good news because today we're talking about what it looks like to be found, to be found by Christ, to be found by our Heavenly Father. A lot of times you'll hear the phrase, and maybe you grew up in a, in a church, and this is fine, a, a, a lot of people say, you know, I found Jesus, you know, and sometimes I just kind of in my sarcasm respond with, well, where was he hiding that you found him? Uh, I know what they're saying. I think it's better said, Jesus found me. We're the ones that hide. We're the ones that run away. We're the ones that like to do life our own way. And Jesus is the one that finds us in all the different places that we run away, in all the different places we hide. Even if it's that's in our laziness, even for some of us, if that's in our apathy today, God's the one that comes and finds us wherever we might be today, whatever state of mind you might be in today, wherever you're at in relationship to him spiritually, he comes and he finds us. And so today as we dive into the next, this next film and see how it applies to our lives, I pray that your heart would be open today. I think one of the defining characteristics of a follower of Jesus is humility, right? To say, I don't have it all together. To say that I'm broken and that when I walked into worship this morning, I'm just here with a bunch of other beggars and Pastor Mike's one beggar telling another beggar where to get food. We're all broken. We all have our struggles. We all have our issues. And we're all sinners in need of a Savior. Amen? 
So that's why we're here today. And so as we do that, let's go to God uh, in prayer. And as always, as you tune into the message, follow along in your Bibles, uh, read along. If he asks you to read something or repeat something, he knows he's speaking to you today. If he makes a joke, even if it's not funny, what do you do? You laugh, right? That's just what we do. It's good for the soul, all right? Let's pray together. God, we love you and we thank you for bringing us here today. Um, God, some of us maybe walked in here today feeling, feeling anonymous, feeling like we're not known. But God, we know that it's no accident that each one of us are here today. And whether this is our first time here or our hundredth time here, God, you know us. You see us. You see the things that we hide inside, the things that we'd rather not have everybody know, people sitting around us today. God, the things we try to hide from you. God, but what, a, what an amazing feeling to know that you know everything about us and you still love us the same. So Jesus, open up our hearts today. Make, us, make our hearts soft and receptive. God, I pray that we would be good soil this morning. Just as the seeds are going into the ground this spring, God, would our hearts be soft and receptive to receive your word, to receive your heart for us as, your father, as our Father this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for each person here today. Pray that you'd open our hearts to your word. We pray it all in your name. Amen. Good morning, Hope, uh, and welcome to all of you who are here. Welcome to those of you watching on video at one of our campuses around Iowa. I'm really glad that you are here today as we continue our Faith on Film series, finding that intersection between uh, Christianity and, and cinema, looking at some really powerful movies of the last year. This is from the movie Lion, which was up for an Academy Award for Best Picture uh, last year, an incredible movie, not just because it's a great story, but because it's a true story. What you see depicted there on the screen in that opening scene actually happened. There's a five-year-old boy named Saru who got lost. You, you ever been lost? Do you know how it feels to have that sinking feeling inside that you're in the wrong place? That, that, that you're, you're not where you're supposed to be? When I was a little boy, our family went to Disneyland, Wally World, and, and we showed up in, in the family truckster and drove across the country to get to Southern California and and we get down Main Street, and here comes the Disneyland parade, and it's, it's all the, the great characters, and, and they're inviting everybody to join the back end of the parade. And so my family goes in, and we're joining, and we're marching along. And I'm having so much fun walking with Goofy and Mickey and Pluto and everybody that I stop paying attention to the fact that my family is no longer in the parade. I'm in the parade, but my two brothers and my mom and my dad are no longer in the parade. I don't know how far I got, a few blocks maybe down Main Street, and I realized I'm in the wrong place. I don't know anybody here. I mean, I know Goofy, but I don't think he knows me, and I don't think he's going to be able to help me very much. And I started screwing, oh, what? Mom, Dad, help! I wouldn't have even minded seeing one of my brothers at that point. <laughs> Couldn't see anybody until finally I, I see my dad, uh, who's as tall as I am uh, back in the day, and he's up above the crowd, and he's running. He's, he's running alongside of the parade. Mike, where are you, Mike? Waving his hands. And I said, Dad. And I run to him, and I jump, and his projectile tears and all the whole thing. It was very dramatic, actually, Disneyland. The rest of the day was great, but for a moment there, it was not the happiest place on earth for me because I was lost. You ever been lost or had a loved one get lost and then you have that sinking feeling of where is this person gone, this loved one in my life, where, where could they be and you get on find my friends on your app and you're trying to figure it out and, and you can't find them anywhere and you can't get a hold of them. 
Multiply that by, I don't know, a million, and you start to get a sense of what Saru is feeling. He's a five-year-old boy, true story, who grew up in a town that he thinks is pronounced, but he's mispronouncing it, Ganestale. And so when he gets off the train in Calcutta, which is, get this, over a thousand miles to the east of his hometown. How did he get there? Well, he and his brother, uh, one night when his mother was gone, they, they grew up in a poverty-stricken town that he mispronounced as Ganestale in the middle of India. And he and his brother wandered off when his mom was working the night shift somewhere because their father had abandoned them and they're just trying to get by. And his big brother is pretty resourceful and says, hey, I'm going to go out and see if I can get some money and do some jobs and earn something. And, and little Saru, the five-year-old little brother, says, I want to go. And he's persistent and he ultimately talks his brother into being able to go with them out in the middle of the night against their mother's orders. And they go out and they end up in a train station in their hometown. And, and, and his, but Saru is, is kind of losing his energy. He's a five-year-old boy and he can't stay awake anymore in the middle of the night. And so he sits on a, on a bench at the, at the train station and he starts to fall asleep. And his older brother can't wake him up because he's just so tired. And finally he says to Saru, stay right here. Don't don't move and I'll be right back. And his brother never came back. Sadly, we find out later that he got in an accident and was killed by one of the oncoming trains. Saru fell asleep, the little five-year-old boy, and he woke up a few hours later, couldn't find his brother, didn't really know where he was. He's a five-year-old boy. And he didn't know his way home. So he gets on a train that's right there because he thinks his brother got on this train and he starts calling out for his brother, but of course he isn't going to find him there. And then the train takes off and the doors are sealed shut and he can't get out for over a thousand miles to the east and he ends up in Calcutta in the eastern side of India and he has to fend for himself. That's the scene that you just saw as he's getting off the train and trying to find his way. The psalmist cries out, I've wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me, God. I'm not just talking about getting lost at Disneyland or even getting lost in Calcutta for Saru, a five-year-old boy, but getting lost from our creator, getting lost from our God, getting lost from the purpose for which we were created, getting lost from the life that we were born to live out. It's easy to do. And we all flirt with this and, and, and kind of get, get, get into the temptation every once in a while where we step outside of the boundaries from which God has created us and the life that he wants us to live. Our verse last week, and we'll start where we ended last week, that's a familiar verse often memorized from Jeremiah 29, 11. God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah to a nation, his people, the descendants of Abraham and, and, and Sarah, his people Israel, who are living in uh, 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 an exile, a Babylonian exile apart from their homeland. They've been taken captive and they're living these oppressed lives in a foreign land. And so God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah and says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans for your good and not for harm. To give you a future and a hope. God is involved in the details of our lives. And when we get lost, we cry out to him. I've wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me. And God reminds us through his word. I'm with you. I'm looking for you. You can come and look for me. And we will find each other again and have that reunion. You are lost, but I want you to be found, God says. Saru was lost, 
Another psalm puts it this way, describing how it feels. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless. Hungry and thirsty, they nearly died. They cried out, Lord, help in their trouble. And he rescued them from their distress. That's the good news. There is a God who cares about the details of our lives, who knows the plans for us to give us a future and a hope for our good and not for our harm. And when we feel like we're lost from God in life, wandering around, can't find our way, there is a creator, there is a God, he is real and he does care and he loves you because we're not just lost, we're lost and we're loved. And there's a big difference between those two. It's one thing to be lost and to know that you're lost and have that sinking feeling. It's another thing to be lost and loved. Saru, this little five-year-old boy, one of the things that got him through is he was fending for himself, this resourceful little kid, trying to just get by, and he ends up sleeping in a tunnel with a bunch of other kids, one of whom reaches out to him and gives him a bed that's basically a slab of cardboard, and Saru falls asleep shivering next to this kind boy who's coughing. The reality is over 80,000 children go missing in India every year. Every year. Can you imagine? Over 80,000. But most of them aren't like Saru. Saru didn't go missing because his parent or parents gave up on him because they just left him on a corner somewhere, as some children are. Saru is lost because, well, he started walking down the wrong path with his brother, got on the wrong train, and now he's over a thousand miles from his home. His mother can't find him, and he can't find his mother. He can't find his way home. True story. But the difference is, and the thing that gets Saru through on these rainy, cold, shivering nights is to know that he knows that he's loved. And the movie shows these flashbacks that he has of his mother, his, her compassion for Saru, her love for Saru, her warm embraces for Saru. The Bible promises us, hear this, please. I don't want you just to think about a movie today or, or memorize some Bible verses or, or even just ponder these things. Please, immerse yourself in the experience of God's love for you here. Nothing can separate you from God's love, the Bible promises. Not life or death, it goes on to say in Romans 8. Not angels or demons, not things above or things below. There is no force, there is no, there, there is no entity, there's no corporation, there's no nation, there's no government, there's no army that can separate you from God's love. Not even death has the power to separate you from God's love. Being lost certainly doesn't have the power to separate you from God's love. God's love is greater than being lost. And so there's a big difference between being lost and being lost and knowing that we're loved. So maybe that's you today. Whatever campus you're at right now, maybe that's the way you came into God's house. That's what you felt. You felt like, well, you know, I'm around people and I fake it pretty well, but I feel lost. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't know which way I should be going. I don't know what I should be living for. I, I don't understand purpose if there is one for my life. I, I'm not even sure I understand God. I don't know, I feel lost. I feel alone maybe too, you're, th you're thinking. I want you to hear this then, particularly you. You may feel lost, and I don't mean to minimize that at all. That's exactly how you're feeling. But you aren't just lost. You are lost and you are loved. Because the Bible promises, not some preacher's opinion who stands before you right now, God's word declares to you, there's nothing that can separate you from my love. 
No matter how lost you feel, no matter how alone you feel, no matter how far away you think you've wandered, my love is for you, and it's here for you right now. Immerse yourself in it. Bask in the truth of this word that will set you free. Not just reflect on a movie, see if you think you like it or not, ponder some scripture, think about these things. Soak yourself in the reality of God's love for you. No matter who you are, whether you're feeling lost or found or anywhere in between, there's nothing that can separate you from God's love. Saru's reminders, his recollection of his mother's love is the thing that allowed him to survive, to get through. Do not underestimate the power of that kind of love. Saru was loved by another woman whose name is Mrs. Sood. Mrs. Sood is like the Mother Teresa of India in many ways, just not as well known. And she's not a fictitious character. I looked this up. She's real. There is a Mrs. Sood. And she considers it her life calling, her call to reach out to these children, these 80,000 plus children who get lost every year in India, to reach out and to help them get found again. That there wouldn't be one child who, who is away from home who should be back at home, who should be connected again. Saru uh, escapes some horrendously evil and dark situations. He, he gets drawn in by, by these conniving people who want to uh, make him a sex slave and get him involved in sex trafficking as a, as a little boy. And, and somehow he senses that and by a miracle of God he runs away from it and he escapes before any harm can be done. And then as God would have it, he happens to encounter a teenage boy who he sees through the window of a restaurant, true story, and that boy reaches out to him and discovers his story, discovers Saru can't even speak the Bengali language of Calcutta, he's still speaking Hindi, and so he takes him to the police, which at least helps him escape the sex trafficking industry of India. But the police bring him to an adoption house, which isn't a whole lot better than living on the streets. And the kids that he meets there say, this is a horrendous place. This is horrible. This is terrible. We want to get out of here. And Saru asks one of the little girls he befriends, he says, does anybody ever get out of here? Mrs. Sood to the rescue. As God would have it, Mrs. Sood is given Saru's case. And Mrs. Sood lives for cases like this. She knows the truth that there's a God who loves us, who doesn't want us to stay lost, and who knows that nothing can separate us from God's love. And since she can't find Saru's home for him, she's going to do the next best thing. She's going to find a new home for him, a home where he will be loved. Don't underestimate the power of that love. Take a look. Mrs. Sood brought the love of God to Saru and saved his life. Salvation has come to this home today, the Bible says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost, and so should the body of Christ. If this is what Christ did, and he did, he came to seek and save the lost, then so should we, as those who are the body of Christ, the family of God today. We do what God did, and that's what Mrs. Sood does for Saru. I'm here to seek and to save those who are lost so that they can be found again, to help them find their way home again, 
to make those connections again. And in this case, since we can't find Saru's home, we put out an ad in the Calcutta papers with 15 million people read, but of course Saru's mom lives over a thousand miles away and she doesn't read that paper. So she's not gonna get the message. And she, her heart is breaking because she's looking for Saru every day. And Saru's looking for his mom every day, but they can't make the connection. So Mrs. Sood does the next best thing, which is something that a lot of you have experienced in this church family. She finds adoptive parents for Saru. A lot of you have done that. This church is filled with families who have adopted children into your home, who have made them your daughters and your sons, who have made them a part of your family. You become their parents, they become your children. You are as much a family as, as those who have biologically born children into their families. It's not a sort of family or a half a family, it's a full family. And Saru experiences that when he meets Sue and John Brierley paid by Academy Award-winning nominated actress Nicole Kidman, and you'll see why in a moment that she gets an Academy Award nomination for this, as well as the young man who plays Saru 20 years later. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. So if we follow the themes of Scripture when we're feeling lost, we start by remembering that we aren't just lost, we're lost and we're loved. We're loved by a God who knows the details of our lives better than we do, who promises, I know the plans that I have for you, for your good and not for your harm, to give you a future and a hope. So we go from lost to loved, and that love makes all the difference. But God doesn't just leave us there and say, well, I love you. He says, I love you, and I adopt you into my family. I make you my very own daughter. I make you my very own son. The Father in heaven says to you, not just randomly or vaguely, it's some sort of spiritual platitude to the whole world, specifically and personally to you. Immerse yourself in this good news today, in this word of hope. God says to you, right here and right now, through his living word, you are my son. You are my daughter. I claim you as my own. I have called you by name. I have sent my son, I love you so much, I've sent my son to die for you, my child. And the Bible promises in John chapter 1, verse 12, if we just believe in this Son of God, in this Jesus Christ, in his life, death, and resurrection, God gives us the power to become his very own children when we believe and receive this good news. John 1, verse 12. You have been adopted into the family of God, the Gospel of John says. And this major theme throughout Scripture says, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. You are not just some random human being wandering on the face of this earth, feeling found sometimes and feeling lost sometimes. You are a child of God, the promise of Scripture declares. This is who you are. And that's what Sue and John Brierley provide for Saru, this five-year-old little boy who's lost from his home that he thinks is called Ganestale, but he's mispronouncing it. He ends up in Calcutta, and then by the love of somebody God sends to him, Mrs. Sood, who rescues him from this orphanage and life on the street, or worse, he's transformed. And he grows up and has an incredibly happy childhood. Growing up in Tasmania, this island off of Australia, to these loving, kind, Christ-like parents who bring the light of God's love into the darkness of Saru's life. He goes from lost to loved to adopted. Saru grows up, though, and 20 years later, 
he still hasn't found home. He hasn't really given it much thought. Until at the age of 25, he moves to Melbourne to, to start studying uh, hotel management. And while he's there, he meets some other students from India. And it starts to refresh the memory of his heritage and his roots. Some adoptive children have a longing to find out where they're from, and some adoptive children don't. There isn't a right or wrong to that. It just depends on how you're wired up. In Saru's case, at the age of 25, he started to get more than curious. He started to have a deep yearning, a longing, to discover his roots, to discover his heritage. In a sense, to go back to his other home. Ganestale, he thought. And so... As others had done for him, he starts looking on maps. He has some friends who tell him, there's this new thing. This was like 11 or 12 years ago. There's this new thing called Google Earth. You should try it. It's a satellite thing. And you, and you can look at almost any place, anywhere in the world. And, and you can look at it from above in a satellite image. You can find the streets and the roads and the railroad tracks and the hills and the buildings and, and the towns and the cities. And, and if you just do the math, his friends tell him, Saru, he says, so you ended up in Calcutta. And how long were you on that train? And he says, I think it was a couple of days. I was five years old. It's kind of vague memories. And what do you remember from that town where you grew up? Well, very vague images. I remember a water tower next to the train station and I remember big open fields with butterflies and I remember the pathway and the dirt roads that I would take between the buildings to, to cut around and, and go through and then to turn right and then to go to the home in the poverty stricken town where my family resided. Just vague, not, not real specific beyond that. And so he went on this needle in a haystack pursuit to find that town on Google Earth he would a radius from Calcutta, about a two-day train ride from where it could be, which left tens of thousands of possible places that it could have been. And for the next three or four years, Saru says, true story, the real Saru, not the actor, says between about 7 p.m. and 2 a.m. every night, I would search Google Earth for my home. And his longing wasn't just to connect dots for himself. His longing was a sense of guilt that he felt for running away from home. For leaving his mother and thinking about her broken heart and, and his brother and his sister behind. and Leaving his family and his home behind. He, he wanted to give them some peace too. And that drove him. He was afraid though what that would say to his adoptive parents. To Sue and John Briarly, so he didn't tell them. Until it finally became pretty obvious that Saru was lost and very distracted again. His other adopted brother, also from India, had fallen into a life of drug abuse. And so Saru was feeling guilty. Loved his mother, knew his mother loved him. But felt terrible that he was ruining her life. And so he went to confess that to her. To say, I'm so sorry you adopted us. I'm so sorry we've made it so hard for you. You have one son who's a drug addict. You have another son who's lost and is wandering around and is looking for his childhood home. I'm so sorry you couldn't have kids of your own, as he put it. And this is the scene that got Nicole Kidman and the young man playing Saru as a 25-year-old nominated for Academy Awards. It's the power of God's love to go from lost to loved to adopted. 
changes everything, especially when you start to realize how it really is in this truth that sets them free. Take a look. I could see my future right there, Sue says to her son, Saru. It was the Holy Spirit. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to give you a future and a hope. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. We could have had kids, Sue says to her son, but we're called to this. We were called to adopt you and your brother. We had this calling that was from above, that was bigger than us. We knew that we knew that this is who we are. And I, and I got this vision when I was 12 years old, his mother says to him. I, I sense that this is who I am, that God made me for this. I'm, as a 12-year-old girl, did you catch that? She says, my father was an alcoholic. Life was a mess. It was a disaster. I just wanted the world to swallow me up so I could disappear. But that's when she got the call. That's when she knew, no, no, you were made for more. You were made for such a time as this. This is what God wanted to do. He wanted to bring us into his own family through Jesus Christ, adopt us into his family. And that's what God specifically called Sue and her husband John to do for Saru and his brother. We could have had our own biological kids, but we weren't called to that. We were called to this. And so we answered God's call, and this is the way we moved. And that isn't just some story from a movie that's, that's a true story in real life. It's also the story of us and God. Because the Bible says, I choose you. That's what God says about us. I choose you to be my son. I choose you to be my daughter. So you go from lost to loved to adopted, and then finally to found. Saru is digging through Google Earth, hoping against hope that he'll find that needle in the haystack, hoping he'll find something that will trigger, that will remind him of who he was with his vague images of, of what life was like the first five years of his life. It's that sense of, of going home again. Maybe when, if you're old enough and you can remember after high school and you went off and you served in the military or you went to college or you went off and pursued a dream or whatever it might be, and then at some point you come home. You come home to visit. You come home for Thanksgiving. You come home to be with family again, to reconnect. There's something about going home that's beautiful and holy and miraculous. Two years ago, uh, my wife and I went to Denmark. I was invited to speak at a church conference there for young adults. And while we were there, and I told this story two years ago when I got home, but I think it fits so perfectly, I'm going to repeat it. When we got there, we're staying in Copenhagen in Denmark, and we learned that it's just a short train ride through a tunnel uh, under the sea to get into Sweden. Well, I'm not Danish, but I am Norwegian and Swedish, and I'd never been to Scandinavia before, never been to my home country, if you will. And I wanted to see it. I wanted to get a glimpse. And so we took the train to Sweden, and long story shorter, when we got off the train and started walking through this beautiful little city on the coast of Sweden, I looked around, and I, I, I'm not making this up. I had this feeling, oh my, I'm home. Look at this. This is just, this is, the food is boring and plain and bland. I love that. <laughs> this is who I am. And, and, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, Whoa, and my wife says, she starts giggling. She starts laughing out loud, and she says, oh my, all these people look like you. 
they're either light brown or blonde and blue eyes and big old Scandinavian chins and, and, and tall and good looking. Okay, I'm adding some things that she didn't say maybe. You're home. You're, you're home. You've come home. Here's a picture sitting on a little chair outside of a cafe in Sweden eating some food. I didn't even know what it was because I don't know Swedish and loving every bite of it and every second of it and basking in the glow. And then Sally says, look across the street. And across the street, there's a store, and I'm not making this up. This is a picture of it right here called, well, hope. You can't make this stuff up. Who needs fiction when God's in control? Saru, a Swedish kid who goes home for at least a day, but more importantly, you in your life. And this isn't about ethnicity, and this isn't about specific kind of details of, of, of which human beings are mom and dad for you. This is bigger than that. This is the creator of the universe, the one who created you, saying, come home. Come home. You were made to do life with me, God says. Not wandering off by yourself, not wandering away from me, but to go from lost to knowing that you're loved, from love to knowing that you're adopted by a God who calls you his very own daughter or son, and from adopted to found. One night in the middle of the night, Saru's just randomly clicking on Google Earth, and something captures his attention. I probably need to warn you, if you have a heart, this is not an easy scene to watch. But it's beautiful, and it's holy, and it's an illustration for a God who's calling you to find your way home. Take a look. Everybody okay? 25 years he'd been lost, and now he found home. Can you imagine? He found Ganesh Talai, the town where he grew up that he thought was called Ganestale, and was just mispronouncing it as a five-year-old boy, which is why nobody else could ever find it before. But there it was, clear as day. So that's where the movie ends, and he never went back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course, he went back. It's important to remember where we're from. You say, oh, whoa. No, actually, I try to avoid that. Because where I'm from is a train wreck. Where I'm from is a mess. It, it, it's downright dysfunctional or even worse, it's abusive. Where I'm from, you, I do not want to go back to where I'm from. I, I'm trying to, to, to pretend that never happened. I'm not saying that, but please don't minimize the power of a healing God. A God who can use that, can use those experiences to say, you're the champion who's going to break the cycle, who's not going to pass on to the next generation what was passed on from generation to generation to you. You're the hero of the future of your family. I know the plans I have for you, God says, to give you a future and a hope. Or maybe you look back on your past and you say it was pleasant, it was good, it was wonderful. And that's another good reason to go back. It's important to remember who you are. I remember when one of our kids, I won't say which one, but he's the oldest one. He, he, when he went to college, he did what a lot of kids do in college. He, he started living life, trying to conform to the world around him, trying to be like the guys he'd hang out with, who were great guys, but the, he wasn't them and they weren't him. 
And the worst thing you can do when you live your life is do your worst impression of somebody else instead of becoming the person God made you to be. And so over a series of conversations and months and years, we we finally said, just remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember your heritage. Remember what you are all about. And that wasn't so much about being a householder, being a a son of, of Sally's and mine. It's partly that. But more than that, it's about being a child of God. You have been adopted into God's family as his very own son. This is who you are underneath it all, underneath all of our temptations to do our best impressions of people in the world around us instead of being who God made us to be. We go from lost to loved to adopted to found. If you look for me wholeheartedly, the Bible says, you will find me. I will be found by you. You will be found. (laughs) Welcome home. Here's the thing about that verse that I preached on last week and this week. It's that good. I know the plans I have for you, God says to a nation that's lost. Plans to find you. Plans for your good and not for your harm to give you a future and a hope. Plans to turn you around and bring you home. You say, oh, now, see, you're just paraphrasing. You're stretching it. No, I'm not. The verse before, verse 10, Jeremiah 29, verse 10. Go back to that one, please, Mary. Jeremiah 29, verse 10 says, I will bring you home again. I will bring you home again. I will show you the way. Next verse, for I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. Two verses after that, verse 13 of Jeremiah, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me and I will be found for you. Next verse, verse 14, I will gather you out of the nations, in Saru's case, Australia, where I sent you and will bring you home again, in his case, India, to your own land. I know the plans I have for you, to give you a future and a hope. You're lost, well, you're not going to stay lost. If you find me, you'll find the life for which you were created to live. And if you don't, you'll never find it, because you'll just be doing impressions of other people. You'll just be trying to fit into the rest of the world. You'll just be trying to conform. Do not be conformed, the Bible says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and change the way you think. I'll gather you out of being lost, out of the nations where you're in exile and where I sent you and I will bring you home again to your own land. You'll go from lost to love to adopted to found and finally home again. Welcome home. Saru went home. And if you thought the last scene was rough, woo, wait till you see the way we're ending this puppy. Saru went home. As you watch this, praise God for that and for his true story. But understand, this is the story God's trying to write for you. Come home. Take a look. My wife and I have a recently turned five-year-old boy. And I know that there's a lot of parents in the room, too. And I know that we would do anything to find a child that was lost. And I sometimes think about the lengths that I would go to if he was lost. And then I'm reminded today that that's just a glimpse. That's just a glimpse of the love that your heavenly father has for every single one of you. 
don't leave here today without knowing that. And the lengths that he went to, the greatest length that anyone could go to, giving his life, not so that you could come to church once a week, but so that you could know that you know that you know that you are loved. No matter what your past has been, no matter what you're up against today, that he loved you that much that he would give his life so that you could be found. Welcome home. Maybe it's time for you to come home to your father, to put behind you your sin and your guilt and your shame and to run into his arms and to be loved and held by him. But for a lot of you, it might be time to come home to a church family. Welcome home. Welcome to hope. Welcome to God's kingdom. Welcome to God's family. Some of you have had really, really bad experiences with the church, and that's why you're just kind of hit and miss. You're like, I don't really know if I want to fully go all in. He went all in for you so that you could be a part of his family, not attend an event once in a week, but be a part of a family to go from lost to searching to wandering to adopted to found. And I know that maybe like some of you, I watch that and my heart breaks my heart breaks for kids like that, the millions of kids that are still lost. And then I think about God's heart. There are tens and thousands of God's lost kids right in our neighborhoods, in our city. And sometimes we think, I come to church and I sit in my seat and I'm good, I get my coffee and my donuts and I'm good and that's great. We love it that you're here, but there's thousands that aren't. It's not about our church, it's not about hope, it's about God's heart for people that are lost. And so my challenge to us as a church is that we would never stop seeking, that we would never stop searching, that we would never be a church that's content with who's already here, but that when we've been found, that that would be the catalyst and the motivation, that God's love poured into our hearts would be the motivation for us to go out and say, every week, I'm going to go invite somebody. Every week, I'm going to go pursue somebody. We're going to be the kind of church that finds those that are lost and tells them just how much they're loved. And they may not know that unless we go to them and we reach them and we bring them home. Not here, but to hear about God's love. That's what's going to change the city of Des Moines. Not Lutheran Church of Hope, Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's not just be a church that sings about it and talks about it. Let's be a church that goes and does it. Let's be reminded of God's love for us this morning. Let's stand and let's sing as we close in worship. Let's worship. Let's worship.